This message is brought to you by Alliance Bible Church located in Mequon, Wisconsin. Our vision is to captivate generations with the satisfying gospel of Jesus Christ. For more information about Alliance Bible Church or other resources, please check out our website, myabc.church. I want to ask you uh, and begin with this question, this question. How do you respond when uh, somebody in authority tells you what to do? How do you respond? How, how do you go about submitting to somebody who is in an authority position over you? What, you know, whether you know, you're getting pulled over, which I'm sure never happens to anybody in this congregation, but I've heard in other churches of other Christians getting pulled over for speeding or something. But what is that like? You know, is that a, is that a happy experience? Is that easy for you? Um, you know, I know some of us, we're, you know, we're a lot, easy go, a lot more easygoing kind of people. We go with the flow a lot easier. There's some of us, maybe myself included, we're a little, you know, it would be a little more upsetting, a little more difficult. Uh, we don't just flow with things as, as easy. Well, if I was to go around in this room and I was asking each one of you, you know, how you respond in those kinds of situations, my guess is, is that you would probably answer something, though, along the lines of, well, it depends, right? It depends on, on who that person is that I'm having to submit to, right? Who it is. What, what are they like? What's their character like? Uh, what, what are their quality of a person are they, Right? I remember a time in college, I was uh, doing summer classes, uh, and, uh, and, and those are kind of like these intense, you know, two-week times and so forth. I was staying on campus, and, and so anyways, I was stuck in the library with the other five students that are doing this, uh, and I'm looking outside at the beautiful day developing that I'm missing out on because I'm stuck with this dusty commentary and typing away on some paper, and I at least, you know, I kicked off my flip-flops, and, you know, <clears throat> I got comfortable for the next four hours that this was going to entail, but anyways, I, I'm in there, and I suddenly see my, my new roommate that I just got assigned for that summer, who's working at the library, uh, coming by, and he was a guy who I didn't necessarily really understand. Um, he was kind of odd, and, uh, and to be honest, I didn't like him all that much. And so anyways, he's, he's coming by, and I, I'll never forget, he, he just looks at me, and he goes, uh, John, I'm going to need you to put your sandals back on. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm sorry, what? You know what? Why? You know, right? And he goes, it's library policy. No shoes, no shirt, no service. And I, I kid you not, the word just came right on out of my mouth. I just said, seriously? <laughs> you know, seriously? Just... No problem, just came right on out there. And he goes, seriously, you're going to have to put your, your sandals on or you're going to have to leave the library. And you know what I was thinking, right? Yeah, what kind of cheap power play is this all about, right? You know, who does this guy think he is? I was going to be this guy's RA the next semester. You know, I was already cooking up what was going to happen next, you know, and the fines that were going to be flying out of my office. But, um, but my first reaction to this kind of stuff is oftentimes not submitting, it's questioning, right? It's questioning. When it comes to consequences in life, they're a whole lot bigger than getting kicked out of the library or getting a ticket. It can be hard to submit to authority, especially 
especially when we doubt that person, can't it? And believe it or not, that same reaction doesn't necessarily just go away when you become a follower of Christ. That hasn't at least been my experience. It can be hard to submit to something negative. It can be hard to follow an authority or a rule that we don't trust or maybe we don't understand, including ones with God. It can be hard to accept and submit to a decision we didn't make, right? So how do we handle those moments when God makes a decision or somebody that God has given authority to to make a decision that we don't like? How do we live with that? Well, I want us to look at a passage of Scripture today that's going to help us through uh, those moments, specifically when uh, those moments are with God, when we're called to forfeit what we want. And we're going to see it from Deuteronomy chapter 3 this morning. Yes, somebody uh, did mention that they noticed we skipped over numbers. You know, that's okay, you know. I, I noticed that too. Uh, anyways, but uh, Deuteronomy chapter 3. Now, the background on this passage is that Moses, uh, who was a real-life historical person, wrote this. Um, he is coming to the end of his leading of the people of Israel. Uh, he's been with them through the, you know, the exodus from Egypt. He's, you know, been with them setting up this, their society, you know, in Leviticus. He's been with them in the wilderness years of Numbers. And finally, they're on the edge of the promised land, right? This is what his life's work has looked forward to. And the book of Deuteronomy, what is going on here, it actually takes place just a stone's throw away from the promised land. He is right there on the edge, and yet Moses, because of a brief incident of sin in his life, has been told as a consequence he won't be entering the promised land. That is a hard-hitting decision for him because it's everything he's worked up to to this moment. He's been putting up with the Israelites, right? 40 years in a desert, This has some significance, what he's been hoping for. And and so right here in the first three chapters, Moses kind of recounts what's happened since then. And and then it it ends in chapter three with him uh, finding out that, you know, Joshua apparently is going to be leading the people of Israel forward. But Moses takes then this personal note in verses 23 to 29, where he goes into a conversation with God, and, and, and it shows how he's wondering if the leadership train has to stop right here. The decision is on the line here. And, and so he, he brings it back up, and, and he prays. And we pick things up in chapter 3, verse 23. It says, And I pleaded with the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, you have only begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. This uh, is him basically saying, in essence, how awesome that God is, right? He's only begun to see it. For what God, continuing on, what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such mighty works as yours? And then here's his request, verse 25. Please let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, that good hill country in Lebanon. So he's asking God for a turnover of the decision here, right? For it to be reversed. Catch this, verse 26. 
but the Lord was angry with me because of you, Israelites, and would not listen to me. Pause there for a moment and unpack that a little bit. When God is speaking to Moses about his sin, let me tell you, God is abundantly clear in Numbers and at the end in Deuteronomy 34 or, or 32 and 34, that it was Moses' sin that was the consequence of why he couldn't enter into the promised land. God is abundantly clear it was Moses' sin. And at the same time, Moses here is pointing out that the people and their sin had an effect on him and his circumstances. For starters, their sin of grumbling, in fact, was the occasion for his sin of responding in anger that got him in this mess to begin with. And so what we should never forget as we're hearing this here is that our sin has an effect on those around us. Not in terms of God's personal salvific judgment on them, but in terms of their practical situation. Not in terms of their eternal destiny, but in terms of their practical situation. And we see that again and again throughout the scriptures, especially with the Israelites and their leadership and the people being tied together in terms of their obedience or disobedience to God. God treats them very much as one. And so God responds here then, and and we pick things up, verse 26, and the Lord said to me, enough from you. Do not speak to me of this matter again. Go up to the top of Pisgah and lift up your eyes westward and northward and southward and eastward. Look at it with your eyes. Why? For you shall not go over this Jordan. But, right, instead of that, charge Joshua, encourage and strengthen him, for he shall go over at the head of this people, and he shall put them in possession of the land that you shall see. So what happens? Verse 29, so we remained in the valley opposite Beth Peor. And so Moses here obeys. He doesn't go into the land. And from this passage, we see that he does exactly what he's been commanded to do. And so then what do we see from all of this, right? What do we learn from this? As Moses experiences consequences for sin and he's, he's missing out on what, you know, he deeply desires and he makes this request for God to change things. And God gives this flat out refusal and attaches, you know, some different instructions for him. What do we see in all of this as we are followers of Christ this morning? What do we learn? Well, friends, first and foremost, what we learn is that God's decision calls for our submission. God's decision calls for our submission. To put it frankly, God had made a decision. Moses needs to submit to it. Now, I know in this room, many of us are leaders in some capacity, or maybe we're parents, right? How do we respond when we make a decision and people under our authority start questioning it or our kids start questioning it. You may very well respond exactly how God responded here when he goes, enough, end of discussion. I made a decision, adhere to it, right? Well, guess what? When the ruler of the universe, the authority over everything, the leader over every piece 
of our world makes a decision, he's expecting something. He's expecting submission. Gang, our friendship with God does not nullify his authority in our life. If anything, it should enhance our desire to follow it. Because, after all, we know his character. We know the quality of who he is. That he may not be predictable, but he is good. And that as a follower of Christ who has willingly given authority over my life to him to make decisions that I will live with and submit to, I come under this, then the consequences when I choose to rebel, knowing and taking comfort in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, that says, for the Lord disciplines the one he what? The one he loves. Now, let's be honest here for a moment. This is not what we want to hear. We'd rather just focus on how uh, Moses here submits to, you know, God's charge in terms of encouraging Joshua and strengthening him and the, the fact that he gets some grace in terms of getting to see the land, right? But it's bigger than that. Moses is also called to submit to God's discipline here. Both things he's called to submit in, to give up what mattered to his heart and to follow the instructions of the Lord. And he gives it up, this desire, because of something greater, because of his desire for his relationship with the Lord, for his desire to obey. Friends, the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He loved Moses. He loves you. His character is good. And as a follower of Jesus, it is for you as a father is for a son. And it's only for our benefit. And as my friend Michael Anthony likes to say, no one has ever resisted God and come out a winner. Nobody has ever surrendered to God and lived to regret it. So let me ask you this morning, what are you struggling with? Is there an area of your life you're struggling to submit to God's commands, to his call in? Is there a spot where we're, we're questioning that? Let me encourage you. Submitting to God's decisions is always for your good. It's the best choice you can make every single time. There's an old story that captures this well uh, of a captain of a ship who looked into the dark night, and he saw a faint light in the distance. And so he immediately told his single men to send a message, alter your course 10 degrees south. Promptly the message was received and returned, alter your course 10 degrees north. The captain was angered that his command had been ignored. So he sent a, a second message, alter your course 10 degrees south. I am the captain. So another message was received. Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am seaman third class Jones. Immediately, the captain sent a third message, knowing the fear it would evoke. Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am a battleship. Then the reply came. Alter your course 10 degrees north. I am a lighthouse. Friends, God's decisions, they are our lighthouse. They are there for our good 
and our submission to them is in our best interest. And we hear that, you know, as followers of Christ, we know that's the right answer, but do we believe it? I mean, when God says no to what may feel like the thing I want most, maybe the thing I want next, do we really believe and trust it is for our good? That his decisions are for our good and the good of those around us. Aren't we really asking in that if God is good, if he's for us, if he knows what's best, right? Aren't we questioning that at least at some level? Well, consider for a moment what God says in this decision here, because after all, the content of a decision shows a lot about the character behind it. What can we learn about God's character from this decision here? First of all, we can learn that God's uh, character and his decision here is relational, right? God's decisions, they're not disconnected from us. They're not missing out on what we need. Instead, they are highly relational. Verse 26 kind of captures it well when it says, but the Lord was angry with me because of you Israelites and would not listen to me. And the Lord said to me, enough from you. Do not speak to me of this matter again, right? Friends, that verse is very personal. It's filled with all kinds of personal pronouns. And if God then is dealing uh, with Moses here, he's dealing directly with Moses. He's not ignoring Moses' plea in the sense uh, of not listening at all in terms of not hearing, not receiving, but he's not listening in the sense of he's not agreeing. He's not obeying. He's not taking what Moses is asking and saying yes to it. Instead, his command is something that is personal. It's not disconnected from Moses in his situation or his request. It's incredibly personal. What else can we see here, though? We can also see that God is firm in his decision. Verse 27 really points that out, right? Go up to the mountain, look northward, southward, eastward, westward, right? For you shall not enter this land. God is firm in his consequence, but he's gracious in his execution. And so again, we see God's character. He's relational. He's firm. But he's also just. He's gracious. He lets Moses see the land. He lets Moses encourage Joshua. But we also see that finally, he's instructional. He doesn't just leave Moses to figure it out on his own, right? Verse 28 points that out. Moses charged, encouraged, and strengthened Joshua, right? He doesn't just say no. He shows him the point to the lesson, that there's more than just no. So what does this mean for us? It means that God's decisions are trustworthy in their content because of his character. God's decisions are trustworthy in their content because of his character. I saw this one time in a situation that I had as a lady came into my office. This is years ago, another place, and Whatnot, but she came into my office and she began to tell me her life story. She began to pour out, you know, what had happened and the tragedies, the betrayals um, of a very difficult story, a story that was filled with, with sin, a story that was filled with wrongs and all kinds of parts and angles to it. And as she began to kind of wrap that up, she, she said this line that I'll never forget. She said, I think that God is mad at me and is getting back at me for all the things I've done wrong. 
And you know, as a pastor listening to her story, um, listening to her life, the life of sin, the sin that she was currently living in and yet claiming to be a follower of Christ and knowing that these things didn't fit together, you know, I thought to myself, yes, you know, God may very well be uh, disciplining you. You may be under his consequences, but not how you are thinking of it. In this way that God is vindictive, he's vengeful, he's out to get you. No, she was thinking of it wrong. Know that the character of God in decisions, especially in consequences, matters deeply. Matters deeply. Why? Because he's not willing that any should suffer, right? That he doesn't want affliction for our lives. The world, Satan, our flesh would have us doubt the goodness of God, of his heart towards us. But nothing could be further from the truth. He's relational. He's just, he's gracious, he's instructional, all on purpose. His desire is for us to come back to himself. He has a bigger plan that he is working out, and it is for good. It is his character that enlightens his decision. And it should comfort our submission that it's for our good, that his heart is for you, that his love is for you, that he disciplines those he loves. The question is, is will we? Will we submit, right? So then let's consider, let's move beyond the knowledge of God's character and the content of this decision, because Moses' question here to God, it, it, it offers something. Even though he's questioning God's decision, his response to God's command and his approach to God are instructional. If our decision calls for our submission, then we need to look at what submission might look like. Well, in verse uh, uh, 23 here, we see that he is humble in his mindset, as he said that he pleaded with the Lord and that he calls himself his servant, right? He's he's not uh, elating himself above God. He is sizing up the situation correctly with sober-minded judgment about himself. Right? We see something else in here, though. We also see he has confidence in God's character, right? 24 and 25 there. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such mighty works and, as yours, right? And so, and so he knows the God he's talking to. He's, he's not unaware of who this is. He's confident. We also see one final thing. Verse 29, we see firmness in obedience, Right? From this point to the end of the book, Moses carries out God's commands of charging, encouraging Joshua, strengthening him, only looking at the land. Right, He obeys carefully what he's been called and told to do instead. He's not just willy-nilly uh, 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 doing what he thinks is best here. He's following the Lord's leadership. And so right here with all of this, what do, what is, what do, what do we get to take out of it, right? What, what is there for us in this? Well, we at least get to see one thing. It means that reminders of God's faithful character provide ample encouragement through the grace of Jesus Christ for us to obey. Our obedience is inspired by the faithful character of who God is and the grace of Jesus Christ. That's where our encouragement comes from. And the more that we get reminded of that truth, 
the more it is that we have, I think, more strength, more ability to overcome temptation, to ignore uh, maybe the decisions that God has given us. We have more ability to overcome that temptation. That's why things like journaling can be so helpful as you capture your story within the faithfulness of God's word. As you begin to look at your morning practices, this might be something to consider of reading scripture and recording then your life, looking through the lenses of that scripture, taking time to, to reflect on it. You know, personally, I've found that even just a couple of paragraphs combined with you know, scripture and prayer can be help, very helpful in seeing, uh, helping me to be able to see my trust renewed in Christ and in his faithful character, that his decisions are for my good. We run into this in lots of places in life, though. I, you know, I look at my own world. I think about the past month. Uh, like many of us, I started doing my taxes, right? And I'm using TurboTax, and I'm watching that number up top, right? Wait, wanting it to go green, right? Not red, green, green, you know, go up kind of a thing. As I was working on it, I, I came to a particular section where I answered one of the questions, and I watched the number go up. Great, right? You know, moved on. As I was working on some other sections, I began to think, did I answer that question correctly? Which I hate that, you know, right? You know, some, something nagging, and so I started researching it. I began to think, you know what? I think I answered it wrong. <laughs> and right at that moment, I got interrupted, had to leave my taxes behind and help with the kids and so forth. And, and I hadn't got back to it, and the week was going on. And, and during the week, you know what was happening? You know, certain things were starting to pop up in your mind. Of, John, just let go. Don't worry about it. You know, just let it slide. Don't worry about it. Or, you know, other times you're going, you know, you know, I better get back there. I better, you know, better, you know, fix that, you know, make that right and so forth. I'm flesh and blood, just like the rest of us, just for the record, right? We're prone to that temptation. And I was so thankful that God uh, gave me just a little encouragement. You know, I knew what was right to do, but he gave me the encouragement from Proverbs chapter 11, where it says, the Lord detests the use of dishonest scales, but he delights in accurate weights. I know God's decision, but we wrestle with it, and we need then that encouragement, that encouragement of God's faithful character, that his decisions are for my good, that I can trust them. That even in the midst of maybe a, a short-term consequence that the eternal benefit far outweighs anything else. That's what Christ modeled for us as he perfectly submitted to the Father, right? For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross as he humbled himself, took on the form of a servant, right? And became obedient to the point of death. Therefore, God highly exalted him. Jesus perfectly submitted and surrendered, and he provides the encouragement and the example, and through scriptures, we have it to be able to submit to God's decisions, knowing that they are for our good. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We need your help. But we don't have this all figured out. Father, some of us in this room right here, Lord, we need that encouragement. We're faced with a choice. We're faced with a temptation. 
we're faced with a difficulty and wondering how it's going to work out. And we need that encouragement that you alone offer, that your plan is for us. That if we're experiencing even consequences as a result of sin in our life, that they are for our good. So we can trust them. So, Father, bring us back to a place of seeing your faithful character. Bring us back to a place of trusting in your good. That we may turn and walk in the newness of life, submitting to you and enjoying the benefits of follow. I pray that in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.